Hi, this is Gavin Hubbard with another audio blog post from sciencehub.co.uk, and this post is ominously titled Ossidax, the Ancient Bone Eaters. Somewhere in the depths of the ocean, a marine ambrosia descends from above, the body of a dead whale. Despite the depth, the corpse won't be in solitude long, a mini-ecosystem will soon erupt around it, and one that could last a decade. The body draws hagfish, sea cucumbers, rattailfish, brittle starfish, a host of other invertebrates and myriad species of bacteria, all come to feast on the marine bounty. And soon, the bone devourers, Ossidax, will come. Ossidax are a group of at least five species of marine polychaete worm, related to those found living on hydrothermal vents, and they feed exclusively on the bones of other animals. They're much smaller than their hydrothermal cousins, only a few centimetres long. And while they aren't as terrifying as their name might suggest, Ossidax is Latin for bone-eating, they may once have feasted on the bones of now-extinct giant marine reptiles, and, at least by our surface-dwelling standards, they're weird. And a little bit gross. Ossidax have tube-like bodies coated in protective mucus. At the top of these, gently wafting in the ocean currents, are delicate-looking red gills. At first sight, they resemble a small reddish flower, albeit one covered in snot. Hence the name of one species, Ossidax mucifloris, the bone-eating snot flower. They have no mouth, stomach, or anus. Instead, they feed through roots sent down into the bone. Like a tree, much of Ossidax exists below the surface. But without a mouth or anything else to mechanically gnaw and wear, how do they manage to penetrate bone was something of a mystery. Instead of munching, Ossidax may be using acid to drill their way into bone. High numbers of proton-pumping enzymes are found in cells on the tips of their roots, acidifying the environment immediately around them. This acidic environment demineralizes and breaks down bone, letting the roots penetrate and reach the more nutritious marrow. The root tip cells are also elongated with tiny finger-like protrusions, giving them larger surface area to both acidify the environment and to absorb nutrients from. Despite this alien-esque acid ability, Ossidax lack a stomach, so how do they break down the fats and proteins from the marrow into something more usable? Ossidax roots have specialised cells called bacteriocytes, which house colonies of symbiotic bacteria called Oceanospiralides. I think I got that right. In exchange for easy access to raw materials, the bacteria provide the elements of metabolism needed to break down the fats and proteins into something more usable, and they share these with their hosts. Ossidax aren't born with these bacteria, though. They must recruit them from the environment once they're settled on a new home. The life cycle of Ossidax is equally as weird as the way they feed. After their discovery in 2002, it was noticed that all Ossidax were female. Where were the males? The answer, it turned out, was right under the researchers' noses all along. The males were living on the females. They just didn't develop beyond the tiny one millimeter larval stage. It was a world of giant females with harems of dwarf males living in the mucus around them. The bigger the female, the more males there were. Females spawned their eggs into the mucus. These are then fertilized by the males, and they develop into larvae that swim out and make their own way into the ocean. Once Ossidax larvae stumble across a potential new home, they settle on the bone, elongate their bodies and crawl about a bit until they find a spot that, for whatever reason appeals to an Ossidax, seems right. They then start to secrete their mucus coat and develop into their adult forms. After around six weeks of settling down and growing, they're ready to reproduce, and they are continuously at it. This constant reproduction makes a lot of sense for something that only lives on the bones of dead animals, since finding new remains in the vast oceanic expanses isn't going to be easy. By releasing a huge number of offspring, Ossidax improve their chances of the next generation finding a home through sheer numbers. While Ossidax have only been found on whale bones, most recently in the waters off Antarctica, it's only likely because whale carcasses are huge and, relatively speaking, easy to spot, and not that they only grow on whale bones. They've been observed growing happily on tuna and cow bones placed next to whale carcasses. Not specialising in whale bone would make good sense, since opportunities to feed on bones are likely to be few and far between on the ocean floor, so not being too picky gives you a lot more options. Despite the fact that, like many deep-sea species, Ossidax were only recently discovered, they've been about for a long time. 
Whalebone fossils dating from 30 million years ago show not only signs of a good gnawing by sharks, fossilized shark teeth were embedded in them, but also the characteristic signs of Osidax, small boreholes with smaller branching holes, likely formed by the Osidax's root. In fact, Osidax may be even older than that, older even than the whales that we commonly find them feeding on. By examining pieces of DNA from different species of Osidax and comparing them, it's possible to get an idea of how long ago the two species separated from a common ancestor. With more species, you can build a phylogenetic tree, a kind of evolutionary scale family tree, that gives you an idea of the relationships of these stretches of DNA and the time frame that they separated from each other. This suggests that fossils from as far back as the Cretaceous, about 145 to 66 million years ago, should be examined for traces of Osidax. Though no traces have been found on reptile fossils from this time yet, Fossilised remains of a flightless marine bird called a Plutopteridae from the Cretaceous period show similar markings to those found on whale fossils. It's just possible that the ancestors of modern-day Osidax, in the absence of whales, feasted on the remains of giant marine reptiles, like the 7-metre-long Romaliosaurus. That's all for this audiobook. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. But either way, tell your friends and family to visit sciencehub.co.uk where they can find more, hopefully, interesting science posts. If you've got any feedback, please do leave a message on the blog, or you can reach me on Twitter at GavinHub, 1B this time, or by email at gavin at sciencehub.co.uk. Thanks very much for listening.